It's 11.30 here at KRVN, which means it's time for midday here on this 10th day of June. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making the rural voice of Nebraska part of your what is going to become a very hot and sticky Thursday. 90s already popping up on the eastern side of the state. We'll get more about that and potential for severe weather at 11.45 with our own Paul Perkins and the Regional Ag Weather Update. Jason is in. He'll have a sports update. And Bob also stepping in as well as he will uh, tell us how stocks are performing so far on this Thursday. But let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, uh, first off, the topic today, at least on the show, has been uh, fresh farm or ranch smells. You have weighed in, but quickly, what is one of your favorites? Oh, definitely one of my favorites is when the silage is getting packed and then when they break into a new section and that smell waves mm-hmm. through the air. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. That's been a very popular one with our listeners as well. So I can't blame you. It's good. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like I mentioned in the winter, especially when you cut into that, hits you in the face. You know, it's not too bad. Thaws you out a little bit. No, not bad at all. Very good. Well, what do you have coming up for us on Midday? Well, of course, it is a very warm one, first and foremost, to our producers out there caring for livestock. Thank you so much, but do me a favor. Stay hydrated with water and uh, get ready to uh, keep going throughout the day. But hydration on a day like today is so vitally important. World Pork Expo continues. It is uh, the final day there, so we'll be getting an update from Chad Moyer at 1219. Then at 1245, Alex comes in as she talks with the INR Vice President and Vice Chancellor Mike Bain, previewing what people can expect from the first ever East Campus Discovery Days and Farmer's Market that is taking place this Saturday. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 with Mitchell Hora. He's a seventh-generation farmer from southeast Iowa, and they take sustainability so seriously he now is a CEO of a company he developed because of it. Hmm. So that's what's happening on a midday. All right, very good. Good stuff. Look forward to it. Thank you, Susan. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen and Smorts. I will ask you the same thing. You uh, grew around ag, uh, the ag industry as well on a farm and ranch. What's your favorite smell? The smell of the plastic of new irrigation gates before they go in the pipe. <laughs> That is a unique one. No one has just, said that. I just messed up. Okay, I, I was going to say, well, you, you enjoyed that project. No, wow. we never enjoyed that. Okay. But it was a, it was a necessary evil that, that had to be done. And it such, is. Such rich family times <laughs> can be found around the irrigation Unforgettable <laughs> family times, I'm sure of it, too. Awful. Okay. Very good. Do you have a, a specific one? Yeah. Okay. That's a good answer, but not one that... <laughs> Glad I could be different. Yes. I hope it makes someone smile out there who's had to do that. Uh, quickly, what do you have coming up in uh, sports? Peyton Manning gets Ring of Honor fame there with the Broncos, which is great. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, five, six years they can do the same thing for Aaron Rodgers once he becomes a Denver Bronco and leads Denver you know, to another Super Bowl yeah. title. That'd be great. Hey, don't tell him short. It's going to be a couple of Super Bowl titles. Okay, so. just All a right. couple. <laughs> Well-deserved by Peyton Manning. Uh, Bob, real quick before we get to stocks, do you have a favorite uh, ag smell? The smell of an old barn when okay. uh, yeah. you go inside. Sure, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's rustic. Got cobwebs everywhere. Right, and the tools and the leather and the whole nine yards. The whole kit and caboodle. Very good. Yes, uh, sir. While you're smelling old barn wood, what, uh, what's coming up in stocks? Stocks are a little bit up this morning. Also, uh, the government reporting consumer prices jumped, and that was a little bit of a surprise. 
jumped pretty significantly, uh, a big spike, so we'll talk about that. Okay, all that and more coming up on Mid... The FNBO's Fridays in the Field is underway. Be listening for farm broadcasters all across the state of Nebraska to feature different farmers as they work to grow this 2021 crop. Hey, it's Clay Patton, and this year for Fridays in the Field, we take a detour from row crops to talk with Max Creek Winery and Brewery about the grape and hops crop. Be glad to have you tag along for this year's Fridays in the Field. Join me this growing season in East Central Nebraska as I'll be following Ryan and Katie Pekarik of Rural Butler County. Ryan and Katie, along with their five children, are busy all year round growing over 30 fruits and vegetables as part of their business, Pekarik's Produce. In the Panhandle, we'll be visiting with Jason Harriman of Scott's Bluff. He'll fill us in on his family's operation with corn and soybeans. They will find time to talk about the forages they raise for their cow-calf pairs in western Nebraska. Tune in every Friday afternoon and on our social media pages as well for the FNBO's Great Big Small Bank Fridays in the Field. It is now 11.44 here at KRVN on this Thursday. Time for our regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins now joining us. By the way, it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Uh, real quick, Paul, we've been <laughs> doing this on the, sh- the show this morning. Uh, favorite farm or ranch scent, and you have also grown up on a farm and ranch or yes, been around correct. it enough. Yeah. What is uh, one of your favorites? Probably, uh, you know, a lot of the things that people were mentioning, I agree with, uh, probably... Right after a rain, that fresh air smell after mm-hmm. a rain, and of course, just some fresh air of the farm. That is true. That where is. you're out in the middle and nothing else out there. That is a that household has its own <laughs> smell. It's a good smell as well. A uh, quick, a couple other ones as well. I had two people in a row, not together in the same vehicle, uh, but mentioned uh, milking cows oh, and the sure. smell of the barn of milking cows and just the smell of fresh milk. And uh, another one said the f- the smell of a fresh tractor cab, which. That also is a very good smell as well, if you're exactly. able to get one of those. And on, on our farm, we had some lilac bushes. That was oh, always a yeah. great time of the year when those mm-hmm. lilacs were in full bloom. It, that always stood out, too. <laughs> I've said this to many people, especially those that have called in. There's no wrong answer. No, there exactly. really is yeah. no wrong answer. So, very good. We appreciate everybody weighing in. You can still do that. Uh, as Paul mentioned, one of his favorite smells is fresh rain. Uh, we could be in for that fresh smell coming up later today and tomorrow, possibly. Yeah, after tomorrow morning, uh, potentially some uh, fresh air from those rains. That that human air, that doesn't smell as good, I don't think. <laughs> that we're getting right now. You know, I, I'm, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. <laughs> But right now, we do have quite a bit of cloud cover still over west central and portions of central Nebraska from about Ogallala to North Platte down to around the Holdage area. That cloud cover, though, gradually thinning on both edges. Otherwise, a lot of areas seeing plenty of sunshine, plenty of humidity, and those temperatures already underneath the cloud cover right around 80. But otherwise, many locations in the mid to upper 80s, and we're already touching into the low 90s mm-hmm. in eastern Nebraska from Beatriz on up to Omaha and the Wayne area. Those dew points currently in the low 70s. It's very humid out there and as warm as some mid-70s for dew points over much of northern Kansas, including Smith Center right now. Your dew point at 77. You combine that temperature with the humidity and it's already feeling like it's in the mid and upper 90s in much of central Nebraska where the sun is shining and also some upper 90s to around 100 in northern Kansas. 103 already on the heat index reading in the Smith Center area and we're not even at the noon it's very sticky out there 103 that <laughs> yeah. is warm and likely much of nebraska is going to be seeing a lot of those temps 
too. Exactly. Yeah, much of uh, Nebraska up around 100 for our heat index readings today. And, of course, Kansas could see heat index readings up around 105. The southerly flow today leading to some sunshine, hot, and humid weather. Temperatures, actual air temperatures going to be 10 degrees warmer than usual. Thunderstorm chances increase, though, tonight with the cold front dropping south. Some of those storms could be severe with damaging winds and hail. Right now, a pretty good risk of severe weather, especially if you're along in north of I-80 from York to Ogallala. So much of Nebraska along and north of the interstate in an enhanced risk of severe weather from the Storm Prediction Center. A lower slight risk of severe storms in the rest of the state. So Nebraska with a big bullseye on the potential for some severe weather, especially if you're along and north of the interstate. Most of the rain totals are in this storm tonight. Expected range between a third of an inch to an inch. The higher totals going to be in northern areas of Nebraska. In behind that cold front, tomorrow will be less humid. Seasonal temperatures and some breezy north winds. So big switch on the weather as we hand it to tomorrow. But it's not going to last long. The weekend through next week, mainly dry with temperatures 5 to 10 degrees warmer than normal as a ridge of high pressure returns. And something to watch, one forecast model indicating 11 straight days of temperatures 90 degrees or higher starting on Sunday. And Tyler, that will be the longest streak of 90 degree plus weather since the significant drought year we had back in 2012. This can't be, obviously it's not normal, but when's the last time that we've, uh, you just mentioned last time, but this is rare for to see these warm temperatures this early. Exactly, because, yeah, we've had just multiple days here where it's been 5 to 10 degrees wow. warmer than normal. Today, about 10 degrees above average, because seasonal for this time of year, at least in central Nebraska, is in the low to mid-80s. And, yeah, we're starting to get into those 90s on a regular basis, and that could be the case as we start next week on Sunday. So, and kind of hold rain. on. And no rain, right? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, the combination not good in our long-term forecast. Warmer than normal temperatures likely to continue for Tuesday through June 23rd in Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. So we're looking at probably at least two-thirds of the month. Warmer than normal here at least. Below normal rainfall is indicated for Nebraska, Kansas, and the northern two-thirds of the U.S. for Tuesday through June 23rd. So once again, warmer than normal and below normal rainfall Tuesday through June 23rd. In the late latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped 15 percentage points to 55% drought-free. Luckily, it's not overly dry just yet. It's abnormally dry in the Panhandle and along and north of a line from Broken Bow to St. Paul and David City. The drought of the Northern Plains starting to move into extreme north-central and northeast Nebraska, where it is a moderate to severe drought. Kansas, in very good shape, continues to be at 97% drought-free. Just some small pockets of abnormal dryness in the far northeast corner of Kansas and in the southeast part around Wilson County. Key weather factors affecting the markets include severe thunderstorms across the northern plains and the potential for some limited rain in central Brazil. In the northern plains, recent rainfall has been isolated but significant where it did develop. Thunderstorms, some severe, are forecast later today into tomorrow along with the risk of severe weather. Widespread moderate rain is likely but the northern plains turns drier after that. Well, well, normal temperatures will continue across the northern plains through most of next week and I do a lot of that moisture benefit. Across the eastern Midwest, scattered rain continues through today before it tracks to the east. Coverage though has been rather isolated with only small areas seeing moderate rainfall. Well above normal temperatures last through the weekend before they drop across the eastern Midwest. The western Midwest though will see the heat to continue. For central Brazil, isolated rain is possible into next week. Amounts however will be light and have little impact for the second crop corn that's almost too far along to receive much of a benefit. All right. well something we're keeping an eye on tonight as well 
Besides these warmer temperatures, severe weather, again, they tell us the time frame we're looking at and where at. In most areas, it's going to probably start moving into northern areas probably this evening. Much of uh, west central to central Nebraska, closer to the interstate, Mm. probably after midnight is when we'll start to see those thunderstorms rumble in. It's all with the passage of this cold front. And a lot of, we won't see a lot of activity until probably this evening. And that will be in northern areas, probably in the overnight for most of us. So it has grown from what we had talked about yesterday. And again, why is has it grown so much? I would I would venture to guess uh, this these higher humidities have really okay. uh, uh, increased that severe threat because yeah, earlier this morning there was just an enhanced risk of severe storms across the eastern panhandle. They've expanded that enhanced risk of severe storms to now include areas along and north of the interstate from Ogallala all the way over to York. Hail. Winds and some heavy rain is kind of what we're thinking. Yes, uh, mainly some uh, damaging winds as the main threat. Uh, the potential for hail kind of decreases as you get into the overnight hours, but still that uh, threat for hail. And yeah, some locally heavy rains could be possible. Most areas only going to see about a third of an inch to a half an inch of rain, but northern areas of Nebraska looking at the potential of around an inch of rain. Okay, so I, what you're saying is I need to bring in my cushions out on the deck <laughs> so they don't blow into the neighbor's yard. Exactly, because we could be in line right. for some damaging winds. Hopefully we at least get some decent rain because we're going to need it over the next few weeks. That is a good point. All right, for a full forecast, especially for tonight and tomorrow, where can you find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network at World Pork Expo in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, The National Pork Board hosted a program uh, taking a look at sustainability, uh, where the pork industry is at in that world and and where it's going. One of those, uh, one of the speakers in the session, Dr. Brett Kaysen, he is Vice President Sustainability with the National Pork Board. Sustainability has moved beyond a buzzword. I think it's safe to say that this is, uh, it is now a key goal that has become, it's got to be part of a management plan, doesn't it? Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. And to your point, yes, sustainability is beyond just a buzzword or the shiny new thing. It is here to stay and will be here for a long time. And the wonderful thing about sustainability is that actually pig farmers have been doing this for decades. We may have called it something different like stewardship um, or we would talk about nurturing the environment, right, or modern day farming technologies. Pig farmers can now be part of the solution to help you know, provide some of those uh, metrics and goals that folks are looking for, whether it be environmental, social, or economic. So what does the National Pork Board help develop as a way to communicate, like you said, what pork producers have been doing for a long, long time, but uh, kind of proving it to those down the chain? What is that tool? As you know, Chad, we've been in this space for a long time, over 13 years with the We Care Ethical Principles. And so I'm proud of our farmers. They took an initiative and said, let's take those ethical principles, such as animal well-being, and put a goal around that. And so they've talked about goals around pork quality assurance, transport quality assurance, common swine industry audit, and the like. They've done the same thing on the environmental pillar. And so they've, we have partnered the checkoff with sustainable environmental consultants using a tool called the Eco-Producer Tool. And what that tool ultimately does is it takes real farm data It validates it, it cleans it up, and it reports out against some of these various environmental benchmarks and other indicators so we can report out our commitment to and validate our continuous improvement story. What's the data being collected? What are you looking at uh, in pig production? Yeah, so our biggest emissions, if you just talk about carbon and CO2, is on the row crop in which a pig eats, corn and soy-based diet, and the manure in which it produces. 
So what I want your listening audience to know is it's beyond the pig barn. It starts at the farm where the corn and soy is raised and goes out through the gate when the pigs leave the farm. So we're actually collecting agronomic data that talks about buffer strips and your manure application, but we also then move in barn and say, what's your water use? What's your energy use, right? What's your feed efficiency look like? Which then creates some of these metrics and benchmarks. So it's all the way from the farm, the row crop, all the way through manure application in the barn in between. And I think you mentioned uh, some of these state organizations and pr- producers are already starting to collect these, uh, this data and starting to take a look at some real metrics, huh? Absolutely. I give total credit to the Minnesota Pork Producers Association and the Iowa Pork Producers Association. They brought farmers to the table and said, let's run some pilots. We've got the goals. We've got the metrics. Let's get real farm data out and let's get reports. There are farmers today at the World Pork Expo. I just left the table, two of them that just got their sustainability reports for their operation. So we've got pilots in place also in Kansas and Missouri, and we're looking to scale. So if you're interested, feel free to contact me at the checkoff. I would imagine beyond that, um, companies are just clamoring for this information. They want to get their hands on it ASAP, huh? Absolutely. This information will be blinded and aggregated. And so think of some of those largest retailers, Walmarts, Costco. Think about the quick service restaurants, McDonald's and the like. They're clamoring for this information to say, boy, you have proven that we all should have trust and confidence in purchasing, buying, and then letting our eater consume U.S. pork. Dr. Brett Kaysen, he is a Vice President of Sustainability with the National Pork Board. On the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, six former Huskers have been announced to this year's Nebraska Hall of Fame class. The list includes women's basketball star Kelsey Griffin, Olympic wrestler Jordan Burroughs, football's Larry Jacobson, men's basketball and baseball star Bob Serve, volleyball's Kathy Knott, and women's swimming and diving Therese Alshamar. This year's Hall of Fame induction ceremony will take place on Friday, October 1st, a day before Nebraska hosts Northwestern on homecoming. Well, Peyton Manning has been elected to the Broncos' Ring of Fame and recognition for his record-breaking four-year run in Denver and, of course, wrapped up with a victory in Super Bowl 50. Manning will be honored during a game against Washington on Halloween, less than three months after his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame on August 8th. The six-member selection committee unanimously selected Manning as a 35th member of the team's Ring of Fame. The last year's honoree former coach Mike Shanahan will also be honored this season. Scott's Bluff once again is hosting the Western Nebraska All-Star football and volleyball games on Saturday. One of those selected to play in this year's football game for the E-Squad is Xavier Perez of Elm Creek, who's really looking forward to this one. We have a great group of kids out here, so, I mean, we have a lot of talent. It's just awesome to play with other people other than your school. It's going to be one heck of a game. Perez was a big reason why Elm Creek made a big run through the playoffs last fall. In his final two years as a Buffalo, he rushed for more than 2,600 yards and scored 35 touchdowns. Saturday's football game will kick off at 8 central time and can be heard right here on 880-KRVN and seen at KNEB.TV. Well, the New York Islanders are advancing on to the Stanley Cup playoffs after eliminating the Boston Bruins last night in Game 6-6-2. And the Colorado Avalanche need a win tonight in Vegas or their offseason will begin. The Golden Knights hold a 3-2 lead in the series after Mark Stone's breakaway goal in overtime on Tuesday. 
Not much has separated these two teams in the regular season as they split eight head-to-head games and finished tied for the most points in the league. Colorado claimed the President's Trophy based on more regulation points. That is a look at sports. For more, you can check that out anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. It is time for Midday News. Our own news director, Dave Schroeder, has stepped in. And before we get to the news here, Dave, uh, we've been asking everybody uh, online uh, to people who have called in and here inside the studio as well. Uh, favorite farm or ranch scent you have grown up in the ag industry yourself? Ooh. Is there one that sticks out to you? Alfalfa that's freshly cut. That's probably one of the most popular answers. That, rain, and silage are probably the top three that yes. we've seen and received so far. But that's a good answer. It's yep. a good answer. You bet. Either freshly cut or after a long day of uh, bailing and uh, throwing it around <laughs> on the trailer and the hay mow. And <laughs> Today would not be fun to be throwing around hay bales, that's no, for sure. No, sir, that's for sure. All right, very good. Well, what do you have for us in news? Well, a pickup pulling a camper rolled six miles east of Lexington on Interstate 80 yesterday, as you heard here on the air. Uh, multiple agencies responded to the scene of that crash. Was reported around 10:30 a.m. Nebraska State Patrol Trooper Amanda Gardine talked with KRVN News at the scene. Uh, vehicle was driving down the interstate with a camper, overcorrected, and went into the median and rolled. Two people were transported, and then there were two other victims in the crash. Can you tell us what happened with them? One was life lighted, and uh, one was deceased. The driver of the pickup was uh, pronounced deceased at the crash. All of the occupants of the pickup were from Roanoke, Virginia. The uh, fatality identified as 74-year-old Bernard Eubank. Passengers, including 79-year-old John Caton, was life-flighted from the scene to Kearney Hospital and then transferred to Omaha. Belinda Caton, age 74, and 73-year-old Sharon Eubank were both transported to Lexington Regional Health Center. A house was moved south of Odessa this morning. The Nebraska State Patrol provided escort services until the house was over the railroad tracks. The house was taken south of the Odessa I-80 interchange and movers planned to stick to county roads and therefore would no longer need a state patrol escort. Nebraska continues to report a small number of new COVID cases, but that number crept up slightly over the past week. State health officials said Nebraska recorded 280 new coronavirus cases over the past week, which was up from 237 cases before. But as recently as April, the state was reporting more cases than that in a single day. In Kansas news, former Republican Governor Jeff Collier says a Kansas County election office isn't doing enough to protect him after it accidentally disclosed his Social Security number to a political research firm. Collier is running for governor in 2022 with Attorney General Derek Schmidt also seeking the GOP nomination. The Johnson County Election Office in Kansas directed the researcher who received documents containing personal information of Collier and his wife in April to shred them, but an attorney for Collier told the office that the researcher's three-word email assurances weren't enough to confirm that personal information wasn't passed on. Collier's attorneys wanted the county to require a signed affidavit. Well, reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
It's the first ever East Campus Discovery Days and Farmer's Market happening in Lincoln this Saturday, June 12th. And joining us with all the details in studio for the first time in a long time, it's IA and our Vice President and Vice Chancellor Mike Bame. It is so great to see you. Absolutely, Alex. Holy smokes. Three dimensions. <laughs> we are finally here. And today we've got such an exciting topic. I've been excited for this since I heard about it. It's the first ever inaugural East Campus Discovery Days and Farmers Market. Tell us a little bit more oh, about this. Oh yeah, you know, I I'm I share your excitement. Ever since I came here, I wanted to do something in this space. Of course, there's a lot of activity on on farmers markets uh, across Lincoln, but you know, I think as we think about the University of Nebraska being the people's university, we do amazing things all over the world, all over Nebraska. We do amazing things here in Lincoln, but where East Campus is located, it's in a really dynamic part of town. When you think about um, 27th Street and maybe Vine up to Cornhusker over to 84th. And so being a good neighbor, being the land-grant university in your own neighborhood, seems like we ought to be walking the talk a little more. So number one. Number two, we're the food campus. So why not a farmer's market? Um, But not just a farmer's market. We use the really hoping to use the farmer's market, the idea that we'll have food trucks and music and vendors, really to draw people into the People's University, to the East Campus. And so the idea of Discovery Days came up. And uh, so this this summer, on uh, June 12th, that's Saturday, from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and then in July, on July 10th, August 14th, we will be hosting the first, the inaugural East Campus Discovery Days and Farmer's Market. It's a fun, family-friendly event for all ages. Please come on out. We'll have food trucks. We'll have live music. We'll have vendors. And, of course, the nifty part of the East Campus is getting a chance to walk around and engage what we do when it comes to production of food, fuel, feed, and fiber, taking care of our land and our water, and, and the people that produce that food for a growing world. Mm-hmm. Really excited. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned that this part of it is a Discovery Days section of it. Give us an idea of what sort of activities are going to take place on these days. Yeah, absolutely. So visitors to campus will have the opportunity to uh, take a look at um, booths and uh, some, of, some of the materials that we use in our outreach and engagement platform from our departments. So, you know, for example, uh, the Department of Biological Systems Engineering, UNMC's College of Dentistry is taking part in this. There's going to be a a marathon kids fun run. We've got the Backyard Farmer Garden that's uh, moving along. Last night on the Backyard Farmer, they were showcasing the the container um, nursery that they have there. That was pretty cool. The Maxwell Arboretum is always a great place to walk through. We moved uh, some of the artwork there. We've got the Dinsdale Family Learning uh, Center and Commons that's now um, going live. Uh, nested within that, the Nebraska Hall of Agricultural Achievement uh, took all of the static black and white pictures going back 100 years, and they, uh, they created an interactive digital kiosk. So that's all open to the public. Look forward to, to hosting folks, of and and we have a we have a lot of other stuff to to take a look at. Mm-hmm. So that part is like the discovery days part of it. You also yep. mentioned there's vendors. So what can we see on that front? Yeah, Alex, that's right. So um, I guess our our Saturdays got a whole lot sweeter, is what uh, what I'd say. Among the vendors uh, attending will be the Kimmel Orchard and Vineyard. 
So uh, if you've been out there to, to Nebraska City um, for their fall festival, they'll be bringing and selling their famous apple donuts. Um, they also will be sharing with uh, folks that come to visit, you know, opportunities to, to, to take a one-tank trip down to Nebraska City. The UNLB lab is coming. Uh, they will be uh, sharing information about pollinators, but also uh, they'll be there selling honey, which is terrific. Community crops uh, will be there uh, selling vegetables that are seasonal, that they're harvesting. Uh, vendors, we've got a, a number of uh, cool vendors and Thanks to the Lincoln Journal Star for a great spot um, earlier this week where uh, they showcased the Discovery Day Farmer's Market. We've got a lot of vendors coming in, which is exciting. Uh, we've got um, Grandpa's Kettle Corn, uh, Sand Hill Ben's Gourmet Seasoning, Pork Centric, the Chocolate Tortoise, uh, Tatiana uh, Ceramics, and, and, and lots more. Um, the local meat shop will be there. Uh, they'll be open during their uh, markets hours, so they'll be able to sell. The N International Quilt Museum will be open, and they will be having free admission. So walk right across uh, 33rd Street and get there. And uh, visitors can even try free bowling at the newly remodeled Husker Bowl uh, on the East Campus Union. And, of course, uh, the Huskers bowling team uh, scored a national championship this year. So um, absolutely fantastic. Please think about coming out on the uh, on next Saturday, the 12th, to the East Campus Discovery Days and Farmers Markets. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the, um, this is a chance for the public in a big way to uh, explore the new dairy store. And uh, we have some new flavors. I'm not going to be a spoiler. And in celebration of Dairy Month, hey, that's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Undeniably dairy. There you go. As a reminder, so that uh, East Campus Discovery Days and Farmer's Market will be held. The first one is Saturday, June 12th from 10 to 2. Mike, thanks so much for coming in and sharing with us. Alex, thanks so much. Thanks to KRVN and the Rural Radio Network, our partner in amplifying the great uh, work that we do in the Institute of Ag and Natural Resources. All right, that's all happening this Saturday for the first one. You can go check that out on East Campus in Lincoln. Again, joining us, that's IANR Vice President and Vice Chancellor Mike Bain. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Thursday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have edged higher today, bringing the S&P 500 index out of the red for the week. Healthcare and technology companies are among the biggest gainers. The market started with bigger gains, then lost some momentum by late morning. Bond yields were steady despite a report of higher inflation last month. Consumer prices rose 5% in May, the biggest year-over-year -year increase since 2008, and more than economists had expected. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note was little changed at 1.49%. Back to the rise in consumer prices, they reflected a range of goods and services now in growing demand as people increasingly shop, travel, dine out, and attend entertainment events in a rapidly reopening economy. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits fell for the sixth straight week as the U.S. economy reopens rapidly after being held back for months. The Labor Department reports jobless claims fell by 9,000 to 376,000, 
from 385,000 the week before. The number of people signing up for benefits exceeded 900,000 in early January and has fallen more or less steadily ever since. Johnson & Johnson says U.S. health officials have extended the expiration date for millions of doses of its COVID-19 vaccine by an extra six weeks. The drug maker says the Food and Drug Administration approved a longer shelf life for the one-dose shots. State officials recently warned that many unused doses would reach their original three-month expiration by the end of June. The extension comes as the rate of new U.S. vaccinations continues to slip. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bergen. Sometimes the idea of sustainability turns into a business. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During an AgriPulse webinar on sustainability in agriculture, we heard from Mitch Hora. He's a seventh-generation farmer from southeast Iowa. He finds himself the CEO of Continuum Ag. Continuum Ag um, is really a soil health data player. We built the first soil health software. It's called Topsoil, and it helps farmers monetize soil health. Number one, by understanding their soil as a living system and helping them to gather the data that they need to be able to manage and implement more regenerative systems, starting with a better understanding of their data and a better understanding of being able to work with Mother Nature and work with their local trusted advisors to help them to implement regenerative systems. After launching Topsoil about a year ago, uh, we've expanded our network there to over 40 states and 12 countries, and we've amassed the largest private soil health database. And as Mitch explains, many farmers are curious about carbon and what it means for the future and agriculture. I've been very involved directly um, through um, doing some work with Climate Action Reserve um, and a variety of other groups as well and multiple of the of the carbon markets that are being developed. Some of my quick reflections on that though is that these carbon markets as they're being developed and as they're being uh, pushed into the market today, really are not carbon markets at all. Rather, they're cost share for practice change. They are just paying a farmer based on what boxes can you check and what practices can you add for your farm. But really, carbon sequestration is a biological process. It builds up over time, and we need to be looking at the farmer's actual net bottom line carbon sequestration. We just copied and pasted a little bit too much from other carbon markets, but the problem there is is the definition for additionality really needs to be reevaluated. I'm excited for the Growing Climate Solutions Act in that I hope that that can help us to drive a better understanding of carbon sequestration and help us to develop better tools so that farmers can be innovative. My worry is that if we if we rely only on check the box, we're going to miss a lot of the nuances to carbon sequestration. Uh, additionality in agriculture is not a one-time change. It's every year you're deciding how to plant your cover crop, what cover is going to use, what's your tillage system, what's your fertility program going to be, and all of those decisions have a carbon footprint to them. We need to have better tools to help us to really quantify that. And the, the driving force behind that is to allow farmer innovation to thrive. We need to allow farmers to be able to create these new valuable assets that we can help to solve multiple problems um, around the world, whether that be, of course, providing food, fuel, and fiber, but also pulling down uh, carbon, improving water quality, improving water quantity against flood mitigation or preserving our aquifers, 
and improving nutrient density to, to feed a healthy population. Dad Brian explains the farming operation. On our farm, we have a, a small farm, corn and soybeans. And um, over the last uh, five, six years, we've been adopting the cover crop programs. And we now are essentially 100% uh, cover crop. The only, the only areas that are not cover crop right now are in some check strips. And we've never had cover crop on them. So we, uh, at Mitchell's company with uh, Continuum, um, using uh, Haney soil health tests and the top soil tool that he's developed to to evaluate and look at the results of soil samples. The Hora family talking sustainability. I'm Susan Littlefield of the World Radio Network. The All-Star Game season continues on Saturday night as we bring you the Western Nebraska All-Star football game from Scott's Bluff on 880 KRVN, 106.9 in Kearney and 98.5 in Grand Island. Our coverage on Saturday night starts at 745 with kickoff at 8 along the Rural Radio Network. Our broadcast is brought to you by Cozad Community Hospital, Cozad Services, Cozad Telephone Company, and Flash Electric. That's the Western Nebraska All-Star Game this Saturday night on 880 KRVN and KRVN.com. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Now let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as we come into the close of the day, we get the WASDA report out, export data, plenty of things for a trader to analyze. But really, now that we've got all that behind us, how important is the weather versus all that data we just saw? Oh, I think we'll forget about the, the data, uh, at least for a few days as we go into the weekend. I, You know, we're up here pretty much right where we opened the week. I guess maybe up 30 cents from there in corn, probably a little more than that. It's I'm shaking my head here because there's opportunities in the deferred contracts that you may want to take advantage of just given that you are dealing with weather. Um, but when the data comes out this morning that says, you know, we have 100 million, 150 million less bushels on hand, you know, at the end of this crop year than we thought we were going to have, and that comes directly off next year. So if we're expecting 3 million acres to go onto the balance sheet here at the end of June, that's approximately 550 million bushels with a trend yield. So you just basically knocked out 1 million of those acres. So now we really need to see a 3 million acre jump. So just to see the, that, that's just to keep the carry out at 1.3 for next year. So short term, I, I would be very, very, very careful here to, to get too over leveraged on the sell side, you know. The deferred 22s, I could be talked into it. But with December here and then the forecast ahead, I think you got to be ready to pounce on a move to seven. I think it'll be hard to do when it's there. But, if you, you know, if that's your goal, I think you just got to be patient. And when you're looking specifically at something like the soybean market today, it seems like maybe a new mindset was setting up with a little bit more of that bear spread action, or was that simply unwinding another spread that they had already set up earlier in the year? Well, you know, beans were, I guess, a loser today just from the standpoint of they didn't have anything bullish, you know, new. Uh, we got a nice reminder of how tight things are going to look next year. And, you know, we're seeing crush reductions, and you're still seeing the carryover at $1.5 million, so, or $150 million, rather. So, so it really comes down to exports in China. And that's where, you know, I shrugged I shrug my shoulders. It's like, well, who are you, you going to rely on their word? Uh, you know, there's, certain, there's talks going on right now that are kind of under the table about this new phase two of the agreement. China's done a lot of stockpiling here, and my concern is it goes away. So December, November 22 is where I think you look to take advantage of opportunities this summer. 
That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. If you'd like to talk with John or any of his team there at Daniel Zag Marketing, visit danielzagmarketing.com there. You can also sign up for that daily newsletter he creates. It's called This Week in Grain. John releases a short video along with written commentary and charts and graphs of things that he's watching and keeping a close eye on the market, breaking down, explaining it, as well as sometimes overviewing and, ha- and looking at his hedging opportunities. Do remember, though, trading future and options involved risk and loss may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Midday. As always, you can catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors, wherever podcasts are available or krvn.com.